With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner of Syracuse Athletics. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. My guest today, as you can see, is my colleague Donna DeTota. Donna, how you doing? I'm good. I'm down here in the basement of our office and uh, uh, hoping nothing dramatic happens. But okay, let's go. Yeah, I, I, I thought I recognized the uh, the stone wall behind you there in our. It's like the Bat Cave of Syracuse.com. Yeah. <laughs> well. Wanted to talk with you uh, today about last Friday, where Syracuse held both its basketball media day and then in the evening moved over to the JMA Wireless Dome and held its annual Orange Madness events, which gave us our really first look at Adrian Autry's new roster. And I don't know, we, we, let's talk about what we kind of observed, what we noticed. I, you know, I don't like making big assumptions based on a random intra-squad scrimmage you know but i don't know what was your biggest takeaway you know i mean it was just i honestly just good to see the players we haven't seen them in so long um and it was just good to see guys you know and it was for me the, the most important thing was to see the new guys like i hadn't seen kyle cuff play i hadn't seen uh chance westry play and those were the two guys i was really interested in and then you know naheem it's, it was interesting to see him and and uh it just was it just was like an interesting introduction to a lot of guys like i i've seen jj play a ton of time so nothing, nothing jj would have done would have been super surprising but all these other guys really have not seen that much so that was the best thing about it i think it's just to get an introduction to all the new guys yeah and the introduction you know started with media day in the afternoon over at the mellow center and you know you mentioned two of the guys that we really hadn't seen much before because both Chance Westry and Kyle Cuff have played very limited uh, ball at the college level due to injuries last year. You know what? The first thing you and I, I think we both noticed was when the game started, Judah Mintz and JJ Starling were on the same team. And that meant Chance and Kyle Cuff, the new guys were the opposing backcourt. And at first I was kind of like, well, why are they doing it that way? I I, I kind of wanted to see Judah and JJ go up against each other. Yeah, but I think I think I think what they did was they put the two starting what what we presume is going to be the two starting backcourt guys together, and then the, what we would presume would be the starting frontcourt together because the the frontcourt of the other team was Benny, Chris Bell, and Naheem. And I mean that's a reasonable expectation for a frontcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they just sort that's I think that's how they how they did it. And also I think it's good to have if you're going to have those two guys be your starting backcourt, it's good to have them play them together as much as possible. Yeah, and I, I guess if 
it is good to play Judah and JJ together as much as you can if they're going to be the starters. And as I thought it through as well, if you had Judah and JJ on opposite teams going against each other, then that would have meant you're going to ask Kyle Cuff at about what six one guard chance three who's six six and he's all of six six and yeah, chance is a big guy. You know that would have been kind of a, a weird th- dynamic, but. All right, so you said you were most interested in seeing Chance Westry and, and Kyle Cuff, or maybe not most interested, but very interested. I was just curious about those two guys. So what did you think? I thought both of them were really were good. I mean, both of them sort of came as advertised. You know, I thought everybody had, when I had done a story about Chance pretty soon after he committed, and everybody said he's just a really dynamic guy, lo- loves to attack the basket, he's a good passer, he's a big, strong, physical guy, and that's exactly what we saw. Um, and Kyle, I, I think, you know, I think I called him in my story like the mystery guy of the four, right? Because he hasn't played for two years. Right. So I was really interested to see anything about him honestly and what intrigued me the most about him was he's a really good shooter apparently because he won the three-point shooting contest and that three-point shooting stroke looked nice on a night when not a whole lot of guys made threes just I think it's part of it is because they don't practice in the dome and you know it's it, the sight lines are different and um so I think that's why I think the team is much better shooting shooting team than what they displayed at the uh the thing on Friday night but um I think I thought it was interesting to see that he, he was a, a pretty good shooter yeah, I'll get to the three-point shooting in a second. Um, Kyle Cuff, what I had been told about him is, hey, this guy's an explosive athlete. Yeah. He's going to help Syracuse play the kind of aggressive man-to-man defense that Adrian Autry has been talking about. And I that was on display because yeah, he I was mean, getting um, after the guy, you know, guys. And I, I forget who he took it from. It would have had to have been either Judah or JJ. He took it from one of those guys out in the open floor and took it the other way for a layup. And I'm like, Man, if you're taking the ball off of either of those two guys, you got some quick hands. Yeah, and it's always good to see too. They both are, both of those guys are coming off injuries, you know, and and what they look like, and obviously they've had a lot of time sort of acclimate and get sort of shake the rust off a little bit. But it's always good to see, you know, um, what they look like after they've come back from their. Both of them had knee injuries, so. What'd you think of the two other guards? I mean, we we talked about these new guys, Chance and 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 Kyle, but so why do we think of Judah and JJ out there? I thought JJ looked, uh, Judah looked great. I mean, he looked like he, the guy that we expect him to be this year. And I thought JJ was really good too. I mean, again, it's hard to really say too much about what happens in a, you know, 20 minute scrimmage. Was it 20 minutes? I don't even remember how long, how long the scrimmage lasted. It was not that long. Um, and it was a running clock. Yeah, it's a running clock. And, you know, you know, so it's hard to tell precisely what's going on, but I think, I think, like I said, I've said this before, the guards are going to be the the strength of the team. I think they have very good, very good guards. I think they have good, good small forwards. I think, I think it, what the the key of this team is going to be the center spot and the and the power forward spot and what they can get from those two positions. And I think the guards are going to be good. Okay, then I wasn't going to go there now, but since you brought it up, forward and pa- uh, power forward and center, uh, the two starting centers on either you know the orange and the blue or whatever yeah. it was, orange and the white. Naheem McLeod was on one side, seven foot four, transfer from Florida State, and then you had Malik Brown start. Uh, for the other team center, you know, six nine sophomore. We both remarked at media day. I thought Malik looked a little bigger. Malik looks bigger. Malik looks bigger and stronger. Yep. I thought he, he played well too. He looked very comfortable in the pick and rolls. He, he you know, uh, often off little lobs from like I mean, one from Justin Taylor was really pretty. We've talked a lot. I've talked a lot about Malik, and we've talked a lot about Malik, and I, I think Malik's 
I I love him at center. I think he's exactly what you kind of the kind of guy you need there. He's mobile. He's smart. Um, he's gotten a little bit bigger, so he's probably a lot more physical than he was last year. You know, he can pass. He can rebound. He's just a he's just a a guy who's going to be who's going to give you. Um, what you need in, in in various situations, and I just loved him. And I, I think he's a, I think he's should play center, and I think he probably will play a lot of center this year. Yeah, and and as you noted before, like you know, he was he was in that backcourt with he had Judah and JJ on his team, so I think that was yes. that was really interesting to see him run some of those pick and rolls, right? And right. you know, sometimes a big man doesn't roll naturally to the basket, but he seemed to really have that down. He's just a smart kid. I think he's a smart, very intuitive basketball player. And I think that's a, a trait that's really kind of overlooked sometimes. So we're intrigued with center and power forward. If Malik Brown's at center, that means Benny's your power forward at those times. Because Malik can play both. He can. Um, I, Benny gives you a little more versatility and then he can step out and make a three. Mm. Um, and I think the big thing with Benny that I was really impressed with uh, on Friday is he really rebounded the ball. And they're they're going to need rebounders. And I, he, it seemed to me like he got every rebound uh, for the orange team. He just was, he was around the basket. He, he tried to rebound the ball and um, he put it on the deck a little bit and went past a couple of guys. Um, you know, I thought he looked really good. He, he looked, he played sort of freely and, and um, looked, looked like, like an athlete, you know, yeah. and uh, I just thought, I just thought he played well. You know, going back to the center position, I'm intrigued with Naheem McLeod. We know this, let's admit it. I'm just the big guy is, is yeah, he's amazing. a big guy. He is a big dude. Um, you know, I don't think he's, you know, I know he's not going to be a 30 minute a game sort of center. It's just not going to happen for a 7'4, 255 pound guy. And I do like Malik. So I think there's a lot of minutes at center, but I'm still intrigued with Naheem. I think you put him out there and whether you want to play man to man or dare I say it a little bit of zone. Yeah. He can be a guy who's going to make teams think about coming to the basket. Yeah. I think he's a, to me, he's a prototypical zone center. He's a big guy who takes up a lot of space. Um, and can protect, and we assume he can protect the basket. Um, you know, I don't know if you're going to play fast and if you're going to get up and down and if that's the, that's the kind of offense you want to run, um, I don't, I'm not sure where a seven foot four guy fits in at that point. Um, but I think he's, I think he's interesting, you know, for a, for a bunch of different reasons. Hey, because he's tall. He's extremely tall. Going back to when I was a little kid, I remember seeing Bal- uh, Washington uh, bullets teams run and Wes Unsold was the center and he didn't run. He outlined the ball and waved goodbye. <laughs> Well, you, it would be good to have a guy who outlets the ball and then runs. <laughs> you know, that would be better. <laughs> it's just me, but I think that would be better. Because people are going to miss when you outlet the ball and you want somebody to rebound it. Speaking of missing. Yeah. Okay, this is perfect, Donna. You're awesome at this. Um, Speaking of misses, they didn't make a lot of threes. They missed a lot of threes in the scrimmage. Um, I only had two makes, one from Justin Taylor and one late in the scrimmage from Quaddy or Copeland. Yeah. You and I were talking as we were leaving the Dome later, and I'm in like, this is going to be a problem. And you're kind of like, eh, first time in the Dome, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, gonna, so, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. You know, okay. I, know. I, was I mean, I think they have I think they have enough guys who can shoot that um, they can they can figure out that day who has the hot hand or who can who can 
you know, who can make shots and, you know, those guys will play a little bit more. I think they have enough guys who can make them though. And you, you mentioned Quadir, and I think we really, really, we, we have not touched on Quadir, who is the leading scorer in this game. Oh, and wow. who I think brings also brings a ton of intangibles, you know, his enthusiasm, his energy level, and he scored twice on Naheem uh, in this game. You know, he, he took him on the baseline and he, he, t- he made a nice fadeaway jumper in the lane against him. I think he's a really interesting guy too. I mean, he can do a lot of things. He, I mean, he came to Syracuse as a point guard. Yep. He can handle the ball. Um, you know, he's a tough kid. He, he really rebounded last year from the small forward spot. And, um, I, I just, I find him to be very, very interesting. And at media day, going back to earlier in the day, Adrian Autry made a point of saying that Quadir's really worked on his shot. That's right. And yeah, so if the shots improved, he's a guy, uh, he can be the Swiss army knife for this team. You could put yeah. him in at multiple positions because he can guard multiple guys with, because of his size and his athleticism, you know, it's interesting. He was the leading scorer in the whole scrimmage and he only had one point at halftime. He scored 10 of his 11 in the second half. He really got involved. Yeah. And I think that's what he does. I think that's what he can do. I, you know, I, again, his energy level, and I think he's a pretty smart player. I think some of his flamboyance, you know, was, was one of his, his downfalls last year. And I think he's, he's gotten, you know, you can't tell it's, it's just one scrimmage, but I, I assume he's gotten a lot, a little bit better at, at, at a little bit more mature about how he plays. And, and um, I just think he can be a valuable guy, especially if he can make, make threes this year. Chris Bell didn't make a three. Justin Taylor only made one. I think those are your two best three-point shooters. We saw them make shots last year. You know, I whatever they went on Friday night in, in an Orange Madness event, even though it was kind of like, you know, you want to see them go in. I will allow, I agree with you, they should shoot the ball. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they're on the floor, though, at the same time much, because they're both that small forward, maybe can play a little two guard. And now the backcourt seems to be kind of full. Um, what did you just think of those two guys? They're both rising sophomores, or I guess we just call them sophomores now. I just, I think they're, I think I consider all those guys guards. I consider Quadir, Justin, uh, Chris, and the four other guys, we, the four other guys we talk about, they're all guards to me. And I think they're going to play a lot of guards. I mean, Adrian has said to me at one point, you might play four guards at, at the same time. They're going to play a lot of guards because I think if they're the style of play that they want to play, they want to get up and down. If they want to get, get a lot of things going like that, um, playing a lot of guards makes a lot of sense. The thing I loved about Chris Bell from the other night was he attacked the basket and it wasn't just once, it was a couple of times. And he put the ball on the floor and attacked the basket basket and that's one thing that he did not do at all last year and that's really going to help him because teams uh that now close out on him thinking of him as only a shooter you know if he can get by them off the dribble it's going to be really 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 another weapon that he can have this year either get by him off the dribble or just a pump fake and like you know let the defender fly by and and yeah and then put the ball on the floor and go yeah Uh, yeah he did do that too at least a couple times he did the other night and yeah, you know, and it's something going back to one of the other four, you know, Benny Williams. It's something that Adrian Autry has said a couple of times this offseason. We saw him shoot a little bit last year. He can make a three. He can shoot a lot of them, but he can make one. Adrian thought the real improvement in Benny's game that could get make them increase in scoring or whatever is finishing at the basket. And has yeah. he gotten bigger or stronger? And he's definitely gotten taller. He's taller. And I think he's a little bigger, too. 
And I think, honestly, I think, again, this, it's the whole thing about the maturation of these guys' games, I think he, you know, at some point you, you understand, like, what it is that you need to do to help your team. And I think th- this probably is a year for Benny. He's, he's I think he's going to be, a, he's like, I was joking with him the other day at, at media day, like, he's like the most experienced guy on the team, right? He's a, he's a, a junior and among a whole bunch of guys who are coming back who are much younger. And I, I mean, I, I think Naheem is older than him and maybe Munir is older than him, but he has the most experience in a Syracuse uniform. And right. I think with that experience comes um, a little bit more maturity. And I think he's going to maybe at this point, well, I'm hoping at this point hmm. um, he's going to understand like what kinds of things he needs to do to help his team. I think making three point shots is important because it'll open up the lane for a lot of those, a lot of the drivers. Um, but I also think he needs to be a little more physical and needs to mix it up a little bit more inside. And I think, I think, you know, let's, let's see if he can do that. If he can do that, he's going to be extremely valuable this year. Could be, you know, if it's an interesting group, you will, you'll get to see him again on, on Saturday night, this up, upcoming Saturday in Rochester, when they do their Monroe madness, they're less than two weeks from the first exhibition game against Damon. I know the season is almost here, Mike. I know. Uh, you know, Ken Pomeroy's rankings came out over the weekend. I don't know if you got a look at them. I saw them, yeah. I did. 100, Syracuse came in at 105. Right. You know what? It it sounds really low. It kind of is. But it's higher than where they finished last season. And I know part of last year has to go into whatever Ken Pomeroy yeah, yeah. His, formula. His first, yeah, his first few, uh, you know, I don't, you don't really call them polls. I mean, his first few things that he puts out um, are, are very heavily weighted on the previous year. So they're 105 primarily because they were very bad last year in Ken Palm. So they're going to, I think that they will, will improve. And I'm, you know, it's, we haven't played a game yet. So, uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to like some real games <laughs> and some, like, I don't even think the exhibitions are going to be all that, um, visionary in terms of what the team is going to look like just because they're going to be they're so over, these teams are going to be so overmatched um but i'm really intrigued by by the personnel on this team and i'm curious to see what's going to happen i mean i think they're going to be fun to watch um and let's let's just see i'm like i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to like really seeing these guys play against you know some pretty good competition and see where they stack up yeah, I, I agree with you. You can't put a whole lot of stock in in Ken Palm's initial rankings because there's no games played yet. But I, you would just kind of look at it in broad terms. You did notice four non-conference games are against teams that are currently in his top fifty. Oh yeah, yeah. LSU, Oregon, and at least two games in Hawaii. I mean, they had the opener against Tennessee, and then a second round game that's going to be against either Purdue or Gonzaga. Those are four top 50 games. That's a tough, we already knew it was a tough schedule, but it, it kind of like crystallizes it for you. Yeah. Um, I think it was thought it was funny during the media session when somebody asked Adrian, like, what, so what, what went into making your schedule this year? And he was like, hold up. Like I did not make this schedule. I mean, this is not the schedule you want with your inaugural year as a head coach. You know, it's a tough, it's going to be a very, very tough preseason, you know, pre-ACC, I guess. It really is, you know, because in, in those four don't even include like a road trip to Georgetown. Yeah. In, you know, so that's going to be thrown in there. And, you know, I also noticed, too, you know, we'll see how these other teams do. But nobody right now in the, you know, outside the top 300, you know, from like 301 to 350, whatever. I think New Hampshire with the regular season opener, New Hampshire's at 300. That's the lowest rated team. That's good because it's those really, really bad teams that can also drag down your your net ranking. Yeah. Look at me. It's October and I'm 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 already like talking Ken Palm and net rankings. 
Yeah, well, you know, an interesting thing, I asked all the guys the other day, like, what game are you most looking forward to? And there's a whole bunch of different kind of answers. And uh, nobody said Clemson, which I thought was interesting because they'd be playing against Joe. And nobody said <laughs> Colgate, who has beaten them for two straight years, um, which is also interesting, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm, like, I, I keep saying the word interesting because that's like that is my mantra going into the season. It's interesting. There's so many interesting pieces. There's so many uh, intriguing storylines. I think it's just going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see how the first few weeks shake out. It definitely will. And it's right around the corner. October 27th, the first exhibition against Damon. Another one the following week against the College of St. Rose. And then the regular season home opener against New Hampshire on Monday, November 6th. It's going to be here before we know it. But Donna, listen, thanks for joining us here on the podcast. I'm going to get out of the basement. Leave in the basement. Go back to the office. Yeah, we'll let you We'll let you out of the basement there. Uh, go back up. Say hello to the rest of our colleagues. I will. Uh, we'll look forward to having you on the podcast again real soon, okay? All right, Mike. Thanks, Don. You too. Bye. You. Bye. Join us next time for the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics.